Welcome to the TBA podcast. I'm one half of the crew, Derek Allsweet. Joining me today, as always, Mr. Corey Hunt. Today's episode is part two of the film Selma, directed by Ava DuVernay. Quick reminder that Corey and I recorded this two entire years ago. During the summer of 2020, this was the height of the BLM protest movement during the first summer of quarantine. We really couldn't have recorded this at a better time. There are a few films more relevant to that moment than Selma. There are a few figures in history more relevant to that moment than Martin Luther King Jr. Or maybe I'm wrong. We talk about that. Here is Talking Black Art. Mrs. King, I mean no disrespect. I come with great respect for your husband. I have no army behind me anymore. I have myself and the truth. That is all I stand on today. You've said disrespectful things in the past, Minister. So you'll understand why there is some alarm here tonight. I do. I understand that. Your husband and I, we do not see exactly eye to eye on how to achieve progress for the black man. And yes, I have been piercing in my critiques of nonviolence. But because we don't agree, Mrs. King, does not mean that I am the enemy. What do you intend to say to these people then, sir? A lot of work has been done here and I don't intend to see it undone tonight. Let's just say my eyes see in a new way. But your local sheriff here, he doesn't know that. So allow me to be the alternative to your husband. The alternative that scares them so much they turn to Dr. King in refuge. Let my being here, Mrs. King, represent the factions that will come if they don't give the good reverend what he's asking for and soon. Do you know what he has said about us in the past, Coretta? He called us ignorant Negro preachers, called me a modern day Uncle Tom, said on national television that the white man pays me to keep Negroes defenseless. The white man pays me. How could you allow it? It wasn't like that this time, Martin. I'm telling you, he he spoke with some of the words he's used before, but it wasn't aimed at you. It, it was, it had more to do with helping us. You sound enamored. Not that you need his help. I'm just telling you how it was. This movie. Our movement has been the one that has moved the needle. Our movement changes laws and day-to-day life for our people. But what has he changed? Actually changed. You don't sound like yourself. You sound tired. You sound enamored. I thought it was an important scene just to show the relationship between between the two gentlemen. Good. We doing a two-parter for this one, too? We doing it all right are now? We, how, where are we at? How long we got? Shit, we're only 45 minutes. <laughs> about two hours. Hey, you're the producer, man. <laughs> yeah. um, just a talent. So the uh, Alabama governor, George Wallace, uh, orders an attack at night. It's part of his strategy. It's police brutality and murder. You know, I think that kind of talks to what's happening today, too, when you go back to how he was like, we... Uh, Demand, demonstrate, resist, or, or, or whatever the phrasing was there. Negotiate, demonstrate, resist. Exactly. And so that's what's kind of lacking today. It's like how they went. It made no sense. They made a protest at night, you know, so they really didn't really grasp 
the what the protest was designed to do. You know, you needed mm-hmm. daytime, you need maximum visibility as far as trying to get the news coverage and yeah. all that different type of stuff. And so they're just marching in solidarity with this thing, not realizing that good intentions pave the road to destruction. And this movie does highlight the strategy of mm-hmm. a lot of this stuff, you know, from both sides, from every side. Mm-hmm. It's, just, it's a strategic film. Chestnut Checkers. Um, which is one of the reasons why it's why it's such a good film, I think. So Lakeith Stanfield's character uh, is an Army veteran, mm-hmm. uh, Jimmy Lee Jackson. Mm-hmm. He is killed. Uh, his grandfather is 82 years old. Uh, modern movement about grief. So, yeah, we talked about that, how that's, you know, Jimmy Lee Jackson's death right here is um, a significant kind of uh, moment and spur. Yeah. And, um, again, yeah, just these moments come from grief. In the murder around, you know, he was murdered for peacefully protesting, you know, and his his father was 82. And we talk about, like, how my dad lived from through this certain segment where his dad is living from, like, slavery to, you know, integration. And now they're trying to get this yeah. last step, which he ultimately was able to, to see. Yeah. But yeah. It was his grandfather. Okay, yeah. yeah. Okay, yeah, yeah, you're right. Because that was his mother and then that was her father. He was born in, he said he was born in, like, 1882 or something like that. Yeah, they were just out protesting peacefully. And then he goes to try to hide in the restaurant. I thought that was a pretty interesting scene or whatever. Everybody else is sitting around like, uh, and nobody did nothing, you know what I mean, to help them. They had that whole restaurant of people, and it was only those three cops, you know what mm-hmm. I mean? I thought that was an interesting illustration without really saying anything about it of how we we allow, you know, yeah. our, each other to be brutalized when we, when we have it's, uh, powers that we don't take advantage of. Right, yeah, and it's tough. I mean, you see it just the same thing with, um, like, these feds going around different cities snatching people throwing them on Mark Vans and like mm-hmm. people are watching screaming you mm-hmm. know but it's like what can do you I do I want to get snatched yeah. up do I want to go to Guantanamo am I really about this life and Martin Martin blames Jimmy Lee Jackson's death on mm-hmm. the institution and complacent black people mm-hmm. he says so I think you know he com- means it in a more like broader that. sense too though he's more talking about you know people who haven't joined the movement to right. create so where they would have momentum right. and that's a job at the Malcolms and the militants you know what I mean that are like we need to do this but they're not really like as he sees it doing anything yeah. really they're just saying that we want this and we want that and we'll stand for this but they're not getting involved and when you have that you know internal criticism combined with the like white outreach like you can st- simply see where, you know, criticisms in the black community come down on Martin. Thanks for checking out TBA. You can find us in a few different places. Go to Instagram at All Swede Collection. That's A-H-L-S-W-E-D-E Collection. We're on Twitter at All Swede Collect. We're on Medium at allsweedcollection.medium.com. We have blogs. We've written about some of the issues we talk about here today. So go on over, follow, comment, rate, all that. Back to the show. Malcolm X is killed. It's a quote here. Our lives are not fully lived if we're not willing to die for who we love. Mm. Um, That's a Martin quote. I don't know if I'm fully living. (laughs) (laughs) I had a conversation with somebody about that exact quote. And, you know, I kind of kind of jokingly said like I'm, I'm not dying for anybody <laughs> it's, an, it's an interesting quote that you can really People marinate say that on shit man but I've been around that type of shit and I just know me man I'm not maybe I'm just not the toughest dude I know I'm not the toughest dude I'll go on record with that but 
you know, I, th- I see a lot of people who say shit like that, and I just know right. they ain't about that fucking life. Like, oh, I'll take a bullet for this and that. Yeah, and third, yeah, yeah. Sit your ass down. Well, you ain't taking a bullet for this. It's also like, it's just like, just from a logical, like, is that a logical, is that a logical Solution. point of view? Yeah. And is that not the thing that basically took down Martin and Malcolm, at least according to these, these films, in a way it's like that, that refusal to kind of do the logical thing in terms of protection, for instance. It's kind of an unfortunate mentality, I think, in some ways. Like, maybe your life can be fu- your life can be fully lived if you're also not willing to die for the people you love. Like, maybe work I on loving so. the people you love. I think it can be, but yeah. I'm not a I'm not a scholar. <laughs> Back to voting. Um, uh, black people who who try to register to vote are doxxed. Their personal information is, mm-hmm. is put in papers. A poll tax is mentioned. The um, the vouchers are mentioned. Yeah, you could get lynched for trying to vote. You know what I mean? Just for trying to register to vote. Mm-hmm. Things like that. You get your house bombed. Things like that. Right. That's what the church bombings and all that stuff was about. Of like, stay in your place. Don't be, you know, don't get uppity. Don't be ambitious. Right. There's a mention of breaking down the institution with tactics. Uh, LBJ is talking to MLK in the, in the White House. And uh, <laughs> he tells him, you got one big issue. I've got 101. It's kind of showed how... Uh, difficult it can be to be president i suppose even if <laughs> i mean it's kind of delusional though oh we've only got one issue just because that's the one right. issue that we're bringing right, to right. you right now <laughs> right <laughs> no we got more than one issue chief Good point uh lbj talks about a quid pro quo so it just shows kind of the negotiation process between the two mm-hmm. which again just reminds me of the kind of the position of power that, that martin had put Honored. himself in yeah you know really impressive but now people going to the white house are very impressive like scott bayo and stuff Kanye. Kid Rock and Kanye. <laughs> Kanye. Now getting yourself into the White House is not a point of uh, accomplishment. <laughs> Martin refuses to meet LBJ halfway. Um, so LBJ gets a little, shows some of his frustration toward towards Martin's refusal to uh, work on a quid pro quo. LBJ contacts J. Edgar. So, you know, for whatever ally LBJ was, he's still in cahoots with the head of the FBI, who essentially murdered Martin, so, you know. That's how they depict it. Right. And that's how it seems from my perspective as well. We mentioned the uh, the sex tape. I wrote fake here. I guess it wasn't fake. Coretta talks about renting, having no foundation. She hasn't gotten used to the, quote, constant closeness of death, unquote. Mm. I just found that so interesting. Like, really, Martin Luther and Coretta Scott King don't even feel like they have a foundation. Because of the situation that they're in. Like, he's th- they're throwing their... He wasn't rich, you know what I mean? He wasn't right. working for a living and really just stacking up like right. that. So they're just living speech-to-speech speech type and depending on the same thing with Malcolm. They're just depending on other people to kind of keep them propped up so they can be the messengers of the people or whatever and focus just on that. So they weren't really making money like that. Right. Such a real moment of like, oh, yeah, <laughs> this this uh, revolutionary had to worry about paying rent. It's, it's difficult yeah. to have a job. That's how they keep most people from being revolutionary today. Because you got to work it's 40, just working 40, 40 hours. So, yeah, it's tough to be a revolutionary and work full time. Which makes sense why a movement would emerge during a time when people can may sit not down. be working. Yeah, or they yeah. a minute to it sit It goes hand in hand. Mind. I mean, the quarantine and, and you know, the, the protests right now really are kind of a... Yeah, no, that's for sure. The reason deal, why that know? was so powerful and had so much momentum was... Like, a, I don't want to put a number on it, but a large percentage due to Corona, you yeah. know what I mean, in the lockdown. Because everybody saw that incident, right. was already cooped up, all these energies that, or whatever, no job to go to or whatever. And yeah, you just got time, that yeah. large percentage of people with that time. 
there's just some excuses about marching from from Governor Wallace. Uh, it's a traffic and public safety issue. You know, there, there's always going to be something that's brought up that's not the actual mm-hmm. motive for uh, shutting people down. It shows people kind of spreading their rhetoric. There's a sheriff spreading his racist, violent rhetoric to his constituents. It shows marchers practicing resistance, like they're walking through it. Like, okay, so when this mm-hmm. happens, you know, you got to do this, which tactical again. John Lewis, I think, is introduced here. Uh, he marches with Martin. Uh, the SNCC leaves Lewis. He, or they, yeah, they, he says that he they're not marching. So if he's going to march, he's got to march as himself. He's not representing the, gr- the group anymore. Gotcha. Um, I didn't totally understand the qualm between that head of the SNCC and, and, and Malcolm. I mean, and the Martin's SL crew. or SCLC. They just wanted to proctor. They wanted more involvement, more say-so. And they wanted to be able to dis- make more decisions, basically, and, and say their piece. Why not they, just work together then? I, I didn't totally understand that. Because they <clears throat> had a different style of huh. maneuvering than than Martin yeah. and their group. That's why he kept saying, we we negotiate, we demonstrate, and we huh. resist. Where with the other group, it's more long-term. You know, it, in, like, like they said, they are educating the community yeah, on right. how to vote, you know, how to right. go to get the vouchers and how to do all the different stuff. Where with Malcolm, they're more so trying to actually get the rights enriched. That's some interesting stuff right there. Those the, that the dynamic of those two groups. Are, are it's always to read something like that. that. It's very interesting. These different sects that mm-hmm. overlap largely, but then there's just these few differences that can create right. all of this nonsense, dissension. You mentioned the bridge, so the Edmund Pettus Bridge. Mm-hmm. There's a there's a movement now to rename it the John Lewis Bridge. I think mm-hmm. Edmund Pettus was some racist. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, they definitely wasn't naming bridges after anything but racist but back then. Right. So they um they the the famous scene, uh, another type of turning point in the country, is uh, 70 million people are watching marchers get attacked mm-hmm. live on television. Yep. Um, brutally attacked. Yeah, a real historic moment in this country. And that was led by John Lewis, not Martin. Mm-hmm. So that um, was another interesting thing. I thought you look at that like one video clip, and now today how we have like you know a thread of seven hundred that we can just access right away. It's like it's a different time. I mean, in some ways, you know, it just got me thinking like, well, what what what's more impactful? Just see one, and that's oh, what that you see, or to see seven hundred. Right. That one was definitely way more right. impactful than all these ones. Now we're desensitized at this point. It's become gore porn or whatever you want to call it. I mean, I'm, I, I, I rage internally, I think, equally every time I see a, a cop. Some people do. Some people do. Yeah. Some people get dis- desensitized to it. Thanks for listening. I don't know where you're listening. Could be on Spotify, Apple, Amazon Music. Check out Good Pods, which is an indie podcast platform that we really like. Go to Good Pods on your phone. Subscribe to Talking Black Art there. You can also subscribe to Self Poor. What we got, man? What we got? Go to YouTube. Talking Black Art on YouTube. Search it. It's there. TikTok under All Sweet Collection. It's there. Video of us, Corey and I. Back to the show. There's a scene where someone uh, brings out a gun. Um, mm-hmm. and Martin says, you know, we won't win that way. You kind of alluded to that that earlier, too. Uh, he says, we have to win another way. You can't take down a, an army with a, like, with a how gun. How many guns you got? Now, how right. many guns you think they got?
What you need guns for? The Bible says an eye for an eye, Reverend. Yeah? I'm sick of this shit. Now, how many guns you think they got down there? That's an entire army down there. And wait, what you got? A couple of 32s or 38? Maybe a couple of old scatter guns? Well, I ain't got enough to kill a couple of them crackers. That's what I got. And how many of us you think they gonna kill in retaliation? With their 12-gauge pump actions, their coke automatics, their Remingtons, their helicopters, their tanks. We won't win that way. And I ain't talking about the Bible. I ain't talking what's right by God. I am talking facts. Cold, hard facts. Now, you take two of them, and they take 10 of us. We have to win another way. So that's not Martin. That's uh, Andrew Young, played by Andre Holland. While rageful violence continues toward the unarmed people of Selma, while they are assaulted with tear gas and batons like an enemy in a war, no citizen of this country can call themselves blameless, for we all bear a responsibility for our fellow man. I am appealing to men and women of God and goodwill everywhere, white, black, and otherwise. If you believe all are created equal, come to Selma. Join us. Join our march against injustice and inhumanity. We need you to stand with us. Dr. King's call to action was nationally televised. We've seen hundreds of people travel across the country to attend tomorrow's march. Mostly white. Warren says that uh, no citizen can call themselves blameless. I think that's an appeal to white people. Um, yeah, rhetoric, man. He's a rhetoric master. Right. So it's mentioned that uh, a third of the participants, either in, I believe it's in a march, are Caucasian. Um, this is kind of a new development, I think, after the video footage from the from the bridge came out. There's the second march with Martin, uh, where they retreat, like you mentioned earlier. It's mentioned that like they only opened the roads because white people joined. Um, oh, that's what James Foreman says, uh, Trey Byers. Mm -hmm. There are attacks against white allies. There's the Boston priest who is killed that they mention. There are protests across the country now that start to pop up. Uh, LBJ, there's a scene where, where he, he, he calls the family of the white priest who died, but he never called the family of... Uh, mm -hmm. He's like, I wish you would have called Jimmy, Jimmy right. Jackson's parents. One of those small but big things. Martin continues to pressure LBJ. John Lewis describes the Montgomery bus attacks, uh, the weapons that are used against men, women, ch women and children. Um, the efforts aren't really working. Martin feels with LBJ wants to move beyond protests into quote real political power unquote. Says he can't go on like this. I kind of think they missed because they kind of show it without saying anything about it is just basically it's up to the Congress. You know how it's up to Congress and same thing mm. you know, the three, right. the three branches or whatever. Right. And that's kind of what he was up against where if it was just up to Lyndon in that instance, I think he would have caved way sooner. Yeah. But he's got all of these Southern right. congressmen and senators that are like, no, nah, we're not trying to cave. And so it was about trying to convince all of them and create something to placate everybody. Right. Yeah, that's how Washington works. Lewis needed to hear MLK after the beating. Uh, fear not, oh, yeah. we've come too uh, far to turn back now. Because when he was younger and he was all beat down and he was ready to give up, then Martin raised him up with a speech. And then that speech, in turn, like a Facebook memory, came back and raised Martin up. You know what I mean? He was able to give him his own uh inspiration or whatever yeah and i think that's something that happens a lot in the in the black tradition for sure is just having to rate yeah. you know we take turns faltering Feeling and picking each other, each other up, up. Yeah. 
and you know John Lewis's words were are important now today and this uh you know talking about good trouble causing good trouble mm-hmm. and so he's still he's a voice of this movement up until now and it's just man it's just so it's really kind of dramatic you know that he passed away at this time and pretty interesting we had picked um, this before he passed what's that so we picked it before he passed as right well. well i mean just the, you know the, during the time of these protests for that he's you know, he's, you know, it's like this oh, full he circle. He, like, represents, this, yeah. like, this kind of full circle from 55 years ago, and then he passes away during the heart of today's mm-hmm. struggle protest. SCLC, I want to say? Southern Leader. SLCC? Oh, it is the SLCC. Yeah. Uh, versus the state of Alabama. Uh, Martin takes the stand in court. Uh, says he's a peaceful presence at marches. And the march from Selma to Montgomery is approved by that judge that we just saw. Mm-hmm. That's a five-day march, so you know they're camping, they're feeding each other. That was wild. I wonder how the logistics of that worked. Right now, Governor Wallace kind of enters the scene a little bit more near the end of the film. Mm-hmm. Um, he says, "You can't ever satisfy them." Uh, first, it's voting. Mm-hmm. Next, it's this and this, all the way into the distribution of wealth without work. So that's his slippery slope racist uh, argument. LBJ uh, refused to be like George Wallace, so it shows there's this. The movie wanted to show that there's a difference between the George Wallace type and an LBJ, even though... You got the passive racist versus the right. overt, aggressive racist. Mm-hmm. And that's where the show that, you know, LBJ is still using the N-word. Mm-hmm. Um, it's like, I'm racist, but I ain't that kind of racist. <laughs> God, yeah. So, LBJ mentions a couple things. There's the issue of equal rights. Uh, there is only an American problem. We shall overcome... Oh, yeah, he gives a speech on the, on the, on the floor. He ends it with, we shall overcome... That's is, that's an MLK line, right? Yeah. So it just shows some solidarity mm-hmm. there, um, at least to, to, to the nation. Political uh, theater. Right. <laughs> at the very least, so it is a speech of unity. Mm-hmm. I can't hide, MLK says. Um, focused on what God wants, we're here for a reason. Uh, one more. As long as there is light ahead for them, it's worth it to me. So I think these are... You know, the conversations of you know him being in danger, and he's just already resigned to you know if I go, that's yeah, okay know. as long as my mission is for the future. I might not make it to the mountaintop. He knew he wasn't gonna get there. It wasn't likely. I mean, you gotta know <laughs> when you're in 1960s, right? And you're just you know pushing that line. You're right. in danger, dude. You could be in 2020 pushing that line, and you still feel the danger. You know what I mean? You yeah, imagine, bizarrely enough, it, it doesn't. It seems like the the possibility or prospect of just a full on assassination of a political figure these days just seems to be like there's a lower chance of it for some reason. Um, to where, like, you know, if you do have, you know, activists getting up and speaking now for BLM or or, or uh, some other cause, mm-hmm. yeah, I'd be highly surprised if someone's just like, you know. Shot dead on, on the spot. Yeah, sure. Where it seemed to be a little more common, you know, back around this this time. More common than today, for sure. Right. I mean, because you just got a lot of, you know, leaders, if you, for lack of a better term, activists or whatever that were getting murdered that nobody even knows their names. You know, right. I mean, that shit was happening left and right. You could get strung up quick and easy back then, and they wouldn't even make the news because the police don't see it as a negative. Just like today, you still got people being found hung or whatever and they're calling them suicides or whatever and it's just like just because something gets ruled something by a police station or whatever doesn't mean that that's what really happened and as you were buying the clock that skew on that knob 
gets louder and louder. You know what I mean? Whereas, yeah. like, if you're in 1960 and the cops say it's justified, the the likelihood of it being some other foul play is right. just through the roof. Right. MLK is thinking about the future. I mean, look at the look at the impact he did have on the world or he continues to have on the world. Getting into the definition of what that impact is, is is the conversation. This might be sound like a dumb question, but was Martin Luther King a success? That's the stupidest, no. <laughs> you know, I can't, I can't speak for him, you know what I mean? Yeah. Um, yeah, that's a tough one. That's correct. That's, yeah, that's definitely not stupid. It's, it's a very... Uh, nuanced and mm-hmm. I think the only person that really could speak to that would be him you know what I mean because he knows what his goal was and whether he considers his time and effort into that a success from the outside looking in had I been in that position I think I would consider it you know that would be a life well lived you know what I mean yeah. and I think that can be considered a cons- success yes. for sure yeah um, so from my from my point of view from a kid you know from first second grade third grade you know like, the fact that Martin was the face of black America and civil rights and, like, this message of equality and, um, you know, I mean, in a way I can think of no greater legacy than to be, you know, you got second grade classroom, you know, full of white kids with a white teacher teaching those messages. Um, his, I mean, his legacy is incredible, really, the way that how strong it is and how it's lived on. And you could tie it into, you know, President Obama being president. It's been vast, for sure. It's yeah. been vast. Yeah. Uh, success success is an interesting barometer, you know what I mean, or metric right. or whatever as far as Because, you know, just sadly, just when you look at it bluntly, no. no. <laughs> you know, we're mm-hmm. not, the dream has not been realized if you, if you go from that perspective. Right. Their, their dream I mean but he just said little white boys and, and girls playing together right so I mean we do have that right so <laughs> yeah maybe maybe a success I mean because he came from not being able to sit together you know what I mean to creating a, an opportunity for in certain circumstances being able to to vote and so right I'd say that's a success for for life. And I guess the problem of the idolization of Martin Luther King to, you know, the the white community in particular, is that he becomes the only, the only black man that we look to. You know, it's like, you know, it's it, like he he was kind of the only one that was taught in elementary schools or even all the way up through through high schools. You know, and that creates that environment of which I think really has shaped the the current black community in, in a large way. Is this this need of the gentle Negro. When I was growing up, that was really a thing of just being like, you could be yourself, and then you're gonna be looked at as thuggy, you know, this and that, all these other negative connotations, or you could assimilate, you know what I mean, and try to fit in and try to try to look the part and enunciate and mm-hmm. you know articulate or whatever. And so I think that's the problematic part with the with the Martin Malcolm dichotomy is they're like are you a Mar- are you a Mar- Martin or a Malcolm mm-hmm. type and it's like there's so much room in between right. there you know right. what I mean that is the type of work that's still new you know we talk about like you know young black voices and and the messages they're trying to get out it's it's spreading of black authors and filmmakers and artists and 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 you know intellectuals and like 
really expanding that not just new material in the future but in what we study the history yeah yeah all right so uh we're at the end there's a clip that uh we're gonna go out on let's go this is just essentially the end of the film uh similar to the end of malcolm x and then it kind of relies on some historical footage and, and references this mighty march which will be counted as one of the greatest demonstrations of protest and progress ends here in the capital of Alabama for vital purpose. We have not fought only for the right to sit where we please and go to school where we please. We do not only strive here today to vote as we please, but with our commitment, we give birth each day to a new energy that is stronger than our strongest opposition. And we embrace this new energy so boldly, embody it so fervently, that its reflection illuminates a great darkness. Our society has distorted who we are. From slavery to the reconstruction, to the precipice at which we now stand, we have seen powerful white men rule the world while offering poor white men a vicious lie as placation. And when the poor white man's children wail with a hunger that cannot be satisfied, he feeds them that same vicious lie. A lie whispering to them that regardless of their lot in life, they can at least be triumphant in the knowledge that their whiteness makes them superior to blackness. But we know the truth. We know the truth, and we will go forward to that truth, to freedom. It ends with him speaking to God and his truth of uh, equality. What just stuck out to me there was like they show that white woman who was killed five hours after he was helping an ally. And I just swear to God, it's just, I don't know what it is with some brains to where like, a white person needs to see that woman to then feel some like sympathy or, or to be hit like a, a Mack truck, you know? It's like white people see black people getting killed or there's just like, it doesn't hit them like it should for a lot of people. And it, uh, I think that goes to every group though. You know what I mean? It's just relatability type shit. Mm-hmm. So I think that's just kind of human nature type shit. It's just, it's the, the racism inherent in, human nature or the biases or the prejudices yeah. are just like I don't know it baffles me to some degree still and I get it it's natural you know yeah. same thing with sexualized you know how it's difficult for men to really uh, connect on, on a certain level with, with rape victims and things of that nature and, mm. and that whole culture and right. the, the fear that women live in around that you know it's really difficult to really tap into it yeah. until you start thinking about somebody playing with your butt you know what I mean you're like oh shit yeah, and, yeah. You, you yeah. Really, and you put yourself in, that, in their shoes and so just for some people they're not able to go that step on their own you know what I mean of being like damn I can only imagine what it's like because that's right. just empathy. That's just a skill of empathy that some people, I guess, just lack. Which is why art is so important. It's about, I mean, this is, these are real learning tools. They're real tools to develop empathy. This movie, X. And, like, it's just, it's so vital. And I guess 
you know, just to be personal about it, like, I just, I thank my grandparents and my parents, whoever put me in this position to, like, be, like, passionate about empathy <laughs> in a genuine way and seek it out and, like, the understanding of things that are different than you or the journey to understand all that, like, it's just, it's vital. And even if it's just someone watching this film can, you know, can be a important or momentous kind of starting point toward empathy. How do you feel after watching these movies and discussing them? Anything come to mind? That I'm really fucking cynical, dude. I got a lot of shit, <laughs> uh, ideas that I, I just think, because I'm always thinking of shit from a different perspective every time. You know what I mean? When I, every time I come at it, I'm just like looking for the room for improvement type shit. Yeah. And so, yeah, I just really see a lot of shit. I was really cynical watching the X and this. It's just like... But I wonder what it really, you know, this is the story that they're presenting, but it's I wonder what it really was. It's a good point. Behind the scenes of a lot of this different stuff. So that's kind of where I'm really kind of at. Aside from the surface of just being like, bro, I could fucking snap and just, I, mm -hmm. <laughs> I could just fucking, you know what I mean? I could be in a place of anger and fucking frustration. I watched it once when we first decided we were going to watch it. And then I watched it again like a, a week later or something like that that second time when i watched it i really got this feeling of growth for for me personally of just like because i'm feeling this this just anger and this tension and this just ability to just it's just feeling just just mm -hmm. gangsterness type shit mm -hmm. you know what i mean boiling up like you know i can just kick out this door and just really let it be known of what the fuck is you know what i mean and just start laying down a law motherfuckers mm -hmm. but like that's not really productive type shit and and it just really gave me a feeling of the energies that i've been able to really uh not tame but just really uh use more productively and put it in a pro pro productive pockets where I can pull them out with more precision opposed to them pushing me around you know what I mean because mm -hmm. I, I could definitely feel those energies inside me to where they could easily just be the force of my life where I'm just a vessel of them and going around spewing hate and, and frustration mm -hmm. or whatever because it's definitely understandable <laughs> you know what mm -hmm. I mean that people are fucking pissed and just hurt when you look at that shit man just so many of our family members you know what I mean these are you know if if you are descendants of slaves you know what I mean we're damn near all cousins you know what I mean to an extent second mm -hmm. third cousins removed and all that type shit and so when you see that shit those are your great aunties and uncles right. getting beat to shit and just getting treated like shit and you think about the slavery aspect of it and all that all that build up it's it's some uh, valid anger inside of every you know descendant of slaves in America. You know what I mean. Mm -hmm. And what they choose to do with that shit is is interesting. And what I've chose to do with mine, man, I'm just grateful and uh, proud of myself. I guess you know what I mean. That, okay I, that I don't it's that okay I don't do worse with that shit. Because yeah, I definitely got some moments of like, oh yeah, I still got this shit in there, boy. And I'm I'm whoo. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I guess for lack of a better term, that's what I say. Whoo. Well, thank you so much, as always. Um, you know, we're still, we're figuring out what the heck we're doing here, you know? Sure. I think it's, it's important to, for us, too, I was going to tell you this off mic, but, uh, you know, like, to talk about what this podcast is, mm -hmm. you know? Like, we're that we're just going this development process of figuring out what the heck we're even doing here, sure. right? <laughs> sure, sure. Um, so, it's just, it's cool to, to just kind of let that happen organically. Yeah, I'd like to kind of, to air that out, have some more conversations about what what this podcast is as as we go forward too yeah it's mostly just been me you know 
on some counselor shit, sipping whiskey and telling you about <laughs> my feelings on black history. I appreciate you sitting there listening. It's good, man. I mean, you brought it up. You brought it up, uh, I think, after we turned the mics off on the last one. We're like, this feels like an academic or something. Like, you're coming in with, like, you're, like you're going to school or sitting down, like... And that's like good, but at the same time, like I don't want to be too stuffy with it. Like we got to, we got to <laughs> introduce some kind of. We gotta get off these heavy ass movies. I'm <laughs> yeah. like, shit. We talking about X and Mar- and Martin. I'm like, well, you see, uh, in the '64 was uh, the civil rights initiation, yeah. but it's so a, it's a good it's a good starting point. Definitely, um, I think. Yeah, I'm looking forward to, to what's next. 